listening to Diverse City Podcast. Please stay tuned to hear a powerful word. For giving or more church information, check us out at diversecity.church. Or to text to give, text DIVERSE to 73256. Thank you for listening and enjoy the word. Lord, I pray you have blessed this word. Going forward, Lord, your spirit is already here. Your presence is already here. The atmosphere is prepared. Hallelujah. You are worthy, God. Prepare our hearts to receive this word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Please be seated. Thank you so much. Has God been good? Come on, somebody. I'm just, I'm in love with them. So whenever I get a chance to brag on my God, I have to remember that there is an agenda after this. Like I cannot, but I can spend all day just telling you about the praises of my king. A quick shout out to Pastor James and Pastor Aldine, who cannot be here today, our lead pastors here at Diverse City. We miss you. We love you. Thank you for the opportunity Anytime the Holy Spirit starts stirring up in me or stirring up in Andrew, Pastor James has to go out of town. It never fails. Like, he doesn't even tell us that he's leaving, and I'm like, I already have a word. Pastor James said, hey, you know, there's a death in my family. I have to go out of town, and I expressed my condolences to the the Woods family. And then I immediately was like, God dropped something in my spirit right then and there. And I already knew where we were going to go. And so I just say, Put your seatbelt on, get ready, because God's going to take us on a journey today. He is going to take us. He is going to challenge us. Also, shout out to my boo thing, my ace, my A1, my, my mister, Pastor Drew. He has been amazing. Yeah, give him. He's y'all's pastor too. Look, I love him. I love him. I said, babe, I need a little time to get this message together. He takes the kids. He does whatever. We normally operate as a team, but he's been running a little solo this week so that I can prepare, and that is not in vain because we serve together. So thank you to the head of my household. All right, I'm ready. Here we go. The title slide, Freedom to Choose. Free to say yes or no to God. Freedom to say yes or freedom to say no to God. Free to choose. I got the free in red letters because, yes, Pastor James has been teaching on the Freedom Series, but I'm highlighting free to choose because it is a two-way street. You can say yes to God or you can say no to him. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, dancers. By the way, y'all are awesome. Um, Choices. We all have to make choices. You decided to come here today. You decided to put clothes on. You decided what you were going to eat or not eat. You made choices. We make choices every day. The average adult, according to some sources, say that we make 35,000 choices in one day. That's the average adult. And that source was from a year ago. That was before 2020 hit. So since 2020, I would imagine that the average adult makes way more choices than the 35,000. The average kid makes somewhere around 3,000 choices in a day just to distinguish the difference between what an adult does and what a child does as far as choices. But the point is is that we make choices. Now, y'all gonna help me with this message. Y'all gonna help me preach this message. So, the first thing you're going to help me with is to say this word in Greek. It is choices, and it is, hang on, let me get my notes. I've been practicing it all week. Apila, yes. Apila, yes. Like, epi, epi, la, yes. Apila, yes. Very good. One more time. Apila, yes. Diversity speaking Greek. Come on now. That's Greek for choices. The entire message today is about choices. So here we go. Bring up the next slide. This is what we do all day, every day on Facebook. This is all I see. We make choices. Y'all going to help me. Pick your breakfast. You want waffles and chicken. You want eggs and bacon with pancakes. You want sausage, eggs, 
D, you want steak. So y'all have two seconds to choose. Here we go. And if you'd rather have A, raise your hand. Uh-huh, uh-huh. For those on Facebook, go ahead and type in the letter A, B, C, or D. We're picking our breakfast. All right, for those who'd rather have B, raise your hand. I see y'all, I see y'all. For those of you who'd rather have C, yep, I heard somebody say, I'll take all of them. Cool? <laughs> and for D, raise your hand. There's a lot of Ds in here. We got a lot of steak eaters. We got a lot of steak eaters here. <laughs> I'm like a hybrid. I'm like, okay, I'll take B, but I want like, or D, but I want my eggs scrambled. I'm really picky. I'm the, like, that group that falls in between. Okay, next slide. One of these things has to be given up for life. You're giving up tacos, chicken wings, pizza, or cheeseburgers. Give you a few seconds. We're making choices. This is what we do. We're making choices. Here we go. If you'd rather give up tacos for the rest of your life, raise your hand. Jasmine, I don't know you sometimes, okay? All right. If you'd rather give up chicken wings for the rest of your life, let's go. Okay, okay. If you'd rather give up pizza the rest of your life, let's go. Okay, okay. We married. We... All right, cheeseburgers, they're gone. Of course, the vegan is like, cheeseburgers, gone. The point is, is that we make choices. And this is, a, this is just the tip of the iceberg, especially because I check in the Facebook quite often. There are these types of scenarios all the time. But if we're focusing on Epila, yes, we're going to start making godly choices. We're going to start focusing our choices to give God the most glory. Amen? Amen. Okay. Well, listen. So we're going to move on to our first point. The first point, say my name, say my name. Will you choose to answer when God calls your name? All right, all right yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't do the whole verse. I heard somebody singing that with all the, say my name, say, when no one is, a, I saw that, Serena. Okay, no playing. I'm just playing. Listen, well, that's what I thought of, like, immediately. Say my name, say my name. I'm like, whew. Okay, Lord, I'm feeling that. Say my name, say my name. Will you choose to answer God when he calls your name? We're going to go into 1 Samuel chapter 3 for this part. And I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory with this because we're going to pick up at that chapter, but the first two chapters before that describes... Um, Hannah and her husband, and they cannot have children. He's had children with his other wife, but he's not had any children with her, and she's upset and she's distressed about it. So when they went on their pilgrimage to the temple and they're doing their offerings, she's praying, she's crying, she's distressed. She's like, Lord, open my womb, and one thing leads to another. And then the uh, prophet Eli sees her, they talk, she's in agreement, she leaves, she knows her husband. I'm going to say no because there are kids in here, okay? Husband and wife know each other, and then she conceives. That's the backstory for that. And for anyone who is struggling not with having children but just waiting for God to come through on something you prayed about and you keep asking for, those two chapters are so encouraging about how God will give you the desires of your heart, but at the right time. Amen? All right, so let's pick up. Here we go. So we are in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we will start as soon as the scripture is up. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel's name. Now, just to connect the backstory, Samuel is the child that she prayed for, that Hannah prayed for, okay? So Samuel is a child. He has been given back to the Lord 
by his mother and father. So he is studying. He is there under the priest, the prophet Eli. And it's in the evening, and Eli is going down to slumber. His eyesight is going, and Samuel's there. So I imagine Samuel's there laying down, everything's good, and then he feels like the breath of God, but he doesn't even know what it is, like a, Samuel, something like that. And he hops up, and the next few verses go on to say that he, he went, he thought, oh, my master or the priest, my, Eli must be calling me, so I'm going to go see what he wants. So he goes to him, he's like, hey, Eli, or maybe not as irreverent, but here I am. And Eli is like, what? What hour is it? What are you talking about? I didn't call you. Sends him back to his room. Sends him back to lay down. This goes on two or three more times where he is resting and then the breath, the presence of God starts calling his name, Samuel, Samuel. And each time he goes to Eli because that's who he thinks is calling him. Okay, y'all with me? So we're going to pause it right here for a split second because if we are Samuel, if you are Samuel, if God is saying, Jasmine, Jasmine, or Brandon, Brandon, we fall into two different categories, okay? If we bring up the next slide, this is the category most of us fall into. When God calls our name, okay? We'd be like, uh, hey, Tony, Tony, huh? Uh-uh, God couldn't have been calling me. No, I don't, mm mm-mm. Start your business. Huh? No, what'd you say? Uh, you're to walk in prophecy. Huh? I didn't catch that. No, I'm sorry. Huh? Am I the only one where when God calls you and he tells you something, it's hard for you to accept so you don't even hear it? You act like you don't hear it? My nephew, uh, his name is Little Elmer. He is a cutie. And when I first start watching him, I would call his name when he was doing something he wasn't supposed to, or I needed him to do something. And this is exactly what he'd do, walking across my living room floor, and I'd be like, hey, Elmer. And then he would freeze and act like he doesn't hear me, but then he would look out the corner of his eye like, is she still there? And I'm like, dude, you're in the living room. I can see you. You're not even hiding. Like, there's no reason why you can't hear my voice. But that's kind of like what we do. It tickles me um, that my nephew, I don't even remember how old he was at the time, two or three or four or something like that. Like, he would do that, but we as adults do the same thing. You cannot escape the presence of God. There is no hole you can climb into. There is no place that's that dark. There is nowhere where you could go to escape. You don't believe me? Ask my friend Jonah. When God calls you, He's going to get your attention no matter what it takes. So that's the first group, right? You're like, huh. But then there's the other group who hears. And just like Samuel, you hear, but you ran in the wrong direction. Samuel thought Eli was calling him, but it wasn't Eli. So he's motivated. He hears, but he went the wrong way. You hear God calling you, but you don't quite have it in your spirit that it's God. You feel something, you know something, but you ran to a bad relationship because you thought that's where it was. Or you ran to a job or you left a job because you felt like you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. But instead of going to God, you went in the wrong direction. Am I talking to anybody? Have you ever thought? And then at the end of the day, you were like... I might have missed the mark on this one. I might have messed this up. But I I know I heard him. I know I felt something told me to do this. But just like Samuel, you went to the wrong. And listen, sometimes we'd go to something that seems proper. He went to Eli. That wasn't the worst person to go to. It's the person that was raising him and in charge of it. Sometimes we go to our friends. And they are not who we're supposed to go to, but they mean well. They love us. Sure, that's who we should go to for. But not every friend is appointed or anointed to speak into your life. And I don't know. This isn't even one of my notes, but I think somebody needs to know. Be careful who you're running to. Be careful who your go-to is. When it comes to matters of the heart, when it comes to the spiritual things of God and your welfare— 
Jenny from the block who gossips all the time, who been your A1 from day one, may not be the best person to be getting your spiritual counsel from. That's all I'm saying. You love her and you let her be, but she should not be, or he should not be the one that is speaking spiritual authority into your life. That was for free Facebook. Somebody needed to hear that. And I'm just letting you know, because I'm 36, and there have been many times I've gone to a couple friends, and I know I shouldn't have. I know I shouldn't have. So you're in good company, though, because lots of people in the Bible do it. And for those of you who are like, I know God is calling me. I know something's up, but I missed the boat. I missed the mark. I missed. Listen. God called Samuel three, four times before he realized which way or who was even supposed to be guiding him or talking to him. So if you missed God calling you the first time, don't worry. The second and the third and the fourth time are coming. There is no reason why if you miss it the first time, you're done. You're out. It's over. It's not like that because we serve a God of grace. We serve a God of mercy, and if he wants you to do something, he's going to come after you to make sure it gets done because he loves you that much. And if he created you, he created me, he knows Virginia's hard-headed. He knows Virginia, he gave her perfect hearing, but she's hard of hearing only when it comes to him. He knows that, so you're in good company with that. If we can go to the next slide. It says, then Eli realized, Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy, so he told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he laid down in his place. Next slide, please. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. The question is, will, what will you choose when God calls your name? And I need you to remember to have that Samuel approach where you are willing to, as soon as God calls you, you don't even know where you're running, but you know that God called you. Whatever it is, God, yes, Virginia is here. I am your servant. What can I do for you? When you can put that in your spirit, when you make that, when you adapt, uh, adopt that mindset, then you will be able to hear what God wants you to do. You will be able to hear what the next step is. But until you have that, it will be difficult for you to choose to say yes when the Lord calls your name. Amen? That's how I'm there. All right. Point two. Will you choose to speak up now? Everybody know who that is? If you don't, that's Nene. She has marketed herself, made herself, for lack of better words, just like, she's, she's going to put you in your place. She's going to say what needs to be said and with no apologies. I said what I said. Look, I see people text that, type that on Facebook like I can hear them like saying, typing as hard as they can because they have a whole attitude about something. I'm not going to shame nobody. I'm just saying I've seen some of y'all Post that on Facebook. That's all I'm saying. Facebook, do y'all know what I'm talking about? When you are so angry or someone came out the house and something they shouldn't have, whatever it is, look, you're just going to have to break them up. Look, I, you shouldn't have came out the house in that. That's it. I said what I said. And that's it, right? But none of that goes to give God the glory at all. None of that does. That is 100% flesh, okay? There, there's accountability, so... There is a time and a place to say something in love, you know, to hold your brother or sister accountable. But for the most part, what I see and what I used to myself even participate in is just trash talking. Somebody rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, before the conversation's over, you're going to know how I feel. Believe me. And that's how we operate. So we're going to get into... Will you choose to speak up? And we're going to talk about 2 Samuel, and we're going to be in chapter 12. And what I'm going to tell you is this is about using your tongue, your ability, your boldness to operate for God's glory alone. It doesn't matter. It, it may not make you popular. It may not make you the most famous. It may not increase your wealth. But will you give it to God? 
Now, this is a time where King David, who, who was appointed by Samuel. See, Samuel went on to do great things for God because he chose to answer yes. But King David, he's tripping. He has done a whole lot of foul stuff. And his servants know, okay? So he saw a woman, slept with her. She's married. She's pregnant. Had, his, had her um, husband killed, basically put him in the front line. I mean, he's been doing some really bad things that are not uh, pleasing to God, okay? Who's going to say something to the king? Any takers? Any takers? Anyone want to risk their life, their freedom, and tell someone who's appointed by a prophet, put in place by God, and tell them that what you're doing is wrong? I imagine there's a lot of side whispering. You know he in there with her again. You know what he did to her husband. Oh, hang on. Yes, sir. Here you go, King David. Yeah. And then serve him, but then go behind his back and say all the stuff. Y'all know people like that? I mean, I know it's nobody here in this room, but what I'm saying is there could be a lot of side talking, but that doesn't change the heart or the behavior, right? So the question is, will you choose to speak for the Lord? So if you know that backstory, here we go, uh, verse 1. The Lord sent Nathan to David. Come on, y'all, say Nathan. Nathan to David, when he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. So he's telling him a story. Nathan is with his king telling him a story. And he said, the rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. Next slide, please. But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Okay, he's laying the foundation. Next slide, please. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. Next slide, please. David burned with anger. King David's mad. He's hot. He said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did a thing. He did such a thing and had no pity. Let's pause that, y'all. By David's own mouth, he said that the man must die. He said that he has to pay four times what it, the lamb was even worth. He's angered that someone would be that bold to take something that did not belong to him. Huh? Okay. Hang on, Lord. What Nathan did was done in private. Okay, we got to see this formula. What Nathan did, he took him to the side, and then he spoke a story to him, and he allowed him, his own self to be judged by his own convictions, by his own standard. And then, and then the, the thing is, David didn't realize that Nathan was talking about him until in the next verses, Nathan says, hey, that's you. I'm talking about you. You didn't have Uriah killed. You slept with his wife. She's pregnant with your child. She was a married woman. You took something that did not belong to you, and you killed a man that was innocent. Mm. God used Nathan. God said, I want you to go talk to my king, and I want you to tell him that what he's doing is wrong, and I want you to tell him to stop. If God comes to you and he says, hey, Sean, I want you to use your voice and I want you to talk to the people. I want you to tell them that what's going on is wrong. Or he says, hey, Tamika, I want you to go to work. And that lady that always sits next to you at lunchtime and you always see her doing this, this, and this, don't worry, I'm preparing the environment, but I want to use you to break through to her. Do you choose yes? Or do you weigh out the consequences? 
Do you weigh it out like, oh, this is going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight in the cafeteria. It's going to be a fight in the lunchroom because she's going to look at me sideways. And then it's going, no, I'm not going to share with, Sean's going to say, no, I'm not going to share with the people. What? Because they're not going to receive me. What? Is this even God I'm hearing from? But Nathan was obedient. And he told him the story. And if you go on in verse 13, David said, I sinned against the Lord. You're right. He repented because of Nathan's obedience, because Nathan was willing to give his tongue, his mouth, his body, his everything to God. He said he chose yes. He chose yes. And because of that, David, now, David did have consequences. Don't get me wrong. There were consequences. But by David's own standard, David should have died. What would, what would the judgment be for, uh, for a man otherwise? If a man steals a lamb and he deserves to die, how much would it be for a man to kill a soldier who was innocent? But God spared his life. God spared him. Some of you know exactly who I am talking to. Facebook Live, you know exactly who I am speaking to. Will you choose to give your tongue, your voice for God's glory? God has been telling you to say things for weeks now. When I tell you that this point was just literally almost my entire message, because it weighed on me so heavily, that annoying thing that's in the back of your mind that keeps telling you to say something, that voice. Some of you, listen, you can't even sleep at night. You're restless. You're up all the time. And I tell you what, it's not because you need sleeping pills. It is not because something you ate or your mattress isn't comfortable. It is because God is stirring your spirit because he gave you something to share with his people. And literally, their life depends on it. He needs some people to be obedient and to speak up and to share. Come on, somebody. Listen, I, I went to an um, Impact DCC um, workshop here that um, Brother Tony Neal, shout out to Brother Tony Neal and uh, Randon Click helped organize. And it has got to be one of the most, at least from my perspective, intimidating things to want to unite people despite their differences, to want to bring someone together, have everyone sit at the table and just share how they feel. But in that time, I saw healing. I saw people acknowledge their feelings. I saw people share things that they've never shared outside of right then and there. And it's because Tony, Brother Tony Neal, and Random Click decided to say yes to God and to choose. In, in a world full of animosity, diversity, exclusion, we are going to be a church where we bring people together and use our voice for God's glory. And you may lose some friends for this. You may lose a few people. But what they gained in that time was one, they absolutely changed my perspective on things. And then two, they allowed a lot of people to feel validated. And you know what that does? Then they go and they talk to someone else and help validate someone else. And then there's a chain. And then there's a, and before you know it, you see God working and changing in people's lives. And it all starts with a yes. Will you choose to say yes? For the Lord, can we be a little more like Nathan? Doesn't matter what's in front of you, but you just go with what God is telling you to do. Amen. Amen. Are we good so far? We good so far? We got some Samuels and some Nathans in here. And the next point, we're, going, we're talking about obeying your thirst. Listen, I am a nurse first and foremost. I'm getting ready to get on somebody's nerves. Okay, I'm getting ready to get on somebody's nerves. If you drink soda, raise your hand. Yeah, I'm going to get on all y'all's nerves. Listen, this is a race. What we do for God is a race, okay? And what you put into you matters. Hmm? So, 
in a legitimate race, you run in a marathon, some sports drinks have their place to replace electrolytes. But if you look at this slide, Mountain Dew literally has no place. It is 19.25 teaspoons of sugar. That's in one regular bottle of Mountain Dew. Where's my friend Crystal? Is Crystal in here? Where's Miss Linnell? She in the back? Oh, she's counting. Crystal! I'm talking about you. Look, she loves Mountain Dew. She would drink soda like, okay? The problem with soda, the problem with all those sugars is that it is terrible for your kidneys, it's terrible for your liver, your blood doesn't quite like it, then fat starts to get stored all funky, your teeth don't like it. All the sugar is bad for you, but you continue to drink it. Okay? And the problem with, the, with sugar, it makes you even more thirsty. So a lot of us, what we do is you just get a cold soda and wash it down with another cold soda, right? Because it makes this vicious cycle. But it gives you no nutritional value. It'll say like 2% juice on the front of it, and we still drink it. Okay? Just about, okay, I'm just telling you, this is a brief moment as a nurse. It just breaks my heart, y'all. I need y'all to take better care of yourselves. That's it. All right. So in a race, you would never want to drink like a Mountain Dew. You would never want to do those things that are full of sugar. So what is my point? Um, water, however, is okay to drink every day. Anybody know why? Can I hear some guesses? Y'all helping me preach today. Magretta. Yeah, come on now. Your body is mostly water, so you can replenish it with what? Water. Is there a ton of sugar in water? Is there a ton of sugar in soda? Yes. What do we drink the most of? Yeah, hot mess. Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> Listen, it is a struggle. But just real, those things are things that we need less of, and water is something we need more of. And I'm jumping to uh, John chapter 4, and I'm just going to summarize because this is the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman with God. And we're going to talk about living water. We've talked about junk. We've talked about sugars and sweeteners and all that jazz. But I'm talking about living water. Okay? We're talking about the thirst quencher. We're talking about what you get a taste of, you'll want more of, but you won't ever need more of. We're talking about like the quenching power of God. The, the, when it gets in your system, your life, the whole way you operate moving forward changes. Okay? That's the thirst quenching living water we are talking about. So you have Jesus talking to this woman at the well. There are a few facts I would just like to point out in that Samaritans and Jewish people, they did not talk to each other like that, okay? They did not get along. They did not go together. So for Jesus to go to this woman at the well and say, hey, will you get me some water? She almost looked at him like, and looked behind her like, who are you talking? You talking to me? And he was like, yeah, because Jewish people and Samaritan people don't talk together. They don't, so, they, and then another thing, because I'm just telling you about your Jesus. He was talking to a woman, a woman that was kind of like on the sketchy side. And high priest, priest, rabbi, they don't talk to women in public, okay? They don't talk to not just any women. They don't talk to their mama in public. They don't talk to their, their sisters in public. They don't talk to women in public. And I lay that foundation so that you understand the audacity and the boldness and the point that Jesus is going to make because he's offered to everyone. He doesn't follow their rules. There are no boundaries for him. He is offered to everyone. She had a choice to make. Does she give him water? Or does she go on about her business? There are a lot of us, God is calling you to do something, but you don't feel worthy enough. 
you don't feel qualified. There's no way Jesus is asking you to do that. There's no way God is asking you to do something. No way possible because it's you. If it was T.D. Jakes, it makes sense to be preaching up on this stage. But if it's Virginia from 4174 McCreetown, there's no way that God is asking me to preach to his people. There's no way God is asking sister so-and-so who was a prostitute who uh, has like 10 kids by like three or four different guys to be like over a children's department to go out into the community to lead a prayer walk. That's how the Samaritan woman was looking at Jesus. You talking to me? But he is. He was and he is. Don't let the world disqualify or discount you. You are above and beyond what the environment says that you are because you were first created and called by the Most High. So it doesn't matter where you lived, what you've been through, who you know, none of that matters because he loves you and when he wants you, then you are his. Am I talking to somebody? Do you understand the worth? Oh, okay, Lord, listen. I saw this boy dancing on Facebook. Somebody tagged me in it. I don't know. But there were two boys, and they were dancing on Facebook, very inappropriately, a very uh, sexual, high sexual behavior. And I saw, I was scrolling through the comments, lots of hateful things, lots of hateful things. My friend asked me what I thought, and I normally don't take the bait on Facebook. Have you ever posted a belief on Facebook? Like, have you ever, like, said something on Facebook that you really think is important, and then, like, 10,000 people are angry texting you? Listen, Facebook is messy, and I personally don't really uh, fool with it. But I, I did. I said, I said, um, it's, it's two boys as a mom, as a nurse, as a pastor, as a woman called of God, this is the problem. I would address them as I would if it were a boy and girl or a girl and girl because I feel like the problem is, is that our youth do not understand their worth. They do not understand that they are kings and queens, that they are called of God, that they will do great things for God. And because they don't understand that, the environment warps what they do and what is allowed to be done. I'm not going to argue about, oh, it's two boys. I'm not going to, the problem, if you really want to get to the core of it, is that the environment says you will never be better than this. Where you could be an 11-year-old and a 12-year-old, and it looks like you're doing inappropriate behaviors, inappropriate acts. Just use your imagination. I have to be careful what I say because there are kids present right now. We're not going to argue about something. We need to get back to the basics and understanding our worth. Because if you understand your worth, and oh my goodness, all the grace, all the God, if God could just, in what your worth is, you would not allow certain things to even happen. You would not entertain certain things because of your worth. Your worth is not in a diamond. It is not in how much money you have in your account. It is not, and I know some of y'all know this, but somebody doesn't. It's not how much money you have in your account. It's not how many children you have. It's not how big your house is. Your worth, come on somebody, was determined at Calvary when Jesus decided to die for you. Not the person next to you excluding you, but for you. So when I say that this woman has a decision to make, her choice that she makes has to be in believing that she is worth the love and the affection that Jesus was showing her and that he acknowledged her and asked something of her. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you struggle sometimes with your, if you're even good enough? You struggle with what God is calling you to do. If that's even you, then oh, that's, that's in the back of my head. That couldn't have been me. Wake up. 
because you are worth it. You are worth it. And not only are you worth it, but he expects you then to act on it. So she made the choice after he displayed that he really was who he said he was. After he asked her, hey, uh, go get your husband. And she's like, uh, I don't have a husband. And he's like, uh, yeah, not only do you not have a husband, you've had five husbands. And the man you laid up with right now, that's not even your uh, husband. She was like, Like, he really is divine. He, this, this, is, this is a prophet. This is, tell me more about this water. And not only did she do what, what he asked of her, she wanted to tell other people. This is not in the Bible, but what I imagine is, is when she left the presence of Jesus, her life was changed. She had a new getup about her. And when she walked away, it says that she walked away and she left her jug. And she went to go tell the people about what had happened. And listen, listen, the jug represents her old way of life. It represents what she used to drink from but still was thirsty and not fulfilled. It represents who she was. And when she left it there and she walked away, it never once said she turned around and looked back at it. It never once said that she longed for what she left there because she was filled with that living water. And that living water doesn't require something man-made. It doesn't require that old stuff. That old stuff was then. She left that well a new woman. How many people want to be made new? How many people want that living water inside them? You're tired of the ways of old. You're tired of all the things that you used to do, and you just want some change. Been drinking that water a long time. And she's finally to the point where she's ready. She's ready. Will you choose? The living water. Amen. Come on now. Come on now. It's quiet. Come on. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. The race you choose to run. We are talking about obeying your thirst. We're talking about the living water quenching. This race is, is, is what we're doing. How many know the story of the tortoise and the hare? Tortoise and the hare. 1984 babies are older. Yep. The tortoise and the hare. So listen, the tortoise and the hare. You got the tortoise, turtle, and the hare, rabbit, okay? The rabbit's talking crap to the tortoise because the tortoise is slow. Yes? Okay. Um, and they, the tortoise and, and the rabbit are talking, and they basically get into this thing where they are going to race each other. And this is silly because the tortoise is slower. So, I mean, whatever. But the tortoise, listen, but the tortoise was like, I'll race you. That's fine. Okay, okay. A fox decides to say go, and they go, right? So, the rabbit zooms off and is gone, like, and the tortoise is just making pace, going slowly, but making pace, at his own pace, doing his thing. The rabbit not only made it near the finish line, but was like, I don't even see it. Bruh. This is silly. Okay. I'm going to lay down. I'm going to take a nap. So he takes a nap. And then the tortoise makes his way slowly, slowly, keeping pace. And before you know it, the tortoise is the rabbit there. And the tortoise passed the rabbit, who is in a deep sleep not paying attention at all, okay? By the time the rabbit wakes up and he sees where the tortoise is, he tries to run with all his might. It says with all his might, but he could not catch up with the tortoise who crossed the finish line and won the race. Pastor Virginia, why are you telling us one of Aesop's fables? Where are you going with this? Listen. Listen. Somebody say listen. Somebody say it again, but this time with authority. We are the tortoise, and Satan, Satan's the rabbit. 
Huh. I got goals, y'all. I got things I'm trying to do. Satan will say, you still not married? You never going to make it to the finish line. You always going to be there. You still got that income? Ha. I'll see you at the finish line. Don't worry about it. Satan will always taunt. Satan will always try and create uh, pitfalls. Ha. Your marriage will never get past where it is right now. Ha. Your kids will always cut up. They will always, always be failures. Not that you would call your child a failure, but Satan will say anything to get in your mind and try and hurt you. So we're running a race. We're running a race. What do you do? We uh, adopt that turtle boldness. Come on, somebody. The turtle, turtle tortoise, he wasn't shaking not one bit, not one time. Yes, he is slower. Yes, it took him a long time to get to the finish line, but he kept going with the race. Who knows Ecclesiastes 9-11? Anybody? Anybody know anything, any Bible verse about a race? Come on, Pastor Mike. Yeah. The race is not given to the... Okay, so now that we all know the word. The race is not given to the... The swift. The world will make you think that you have to have this, 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 and this. Okay? that you have to have those things. And if you don't, then you have not arrived. If you don't, then you have not arrived. If you have any insecurities, if you have any goals, just simple ambitions almost, and you have not reached them yet, then by the world's standard, you're behind. You're a failure. You're never going to get there. Why do you even try? Why did you wake up this morning? Anybody ever have? Never mind, don't answer. But I know that there are people that struggle after being beat down and beat down and beat down and beat down because you haven't gotten to where you feel you need to be yet, that you have to really dig deep to even get out of bed sometimes. You have to really dig deep. Listen, I've seen, I pulled up next to coworkers who have to give themselves a pep talk in their car to get out the car, to go clock in. It is that deep where when you go into the, you hope the building burned down so you don't even have to clock in that day. I'm serious. You pull up, oh God, the building's still there. <sighs> I don't want to go in there. <laughs> I mean, the struggle is real. Y'all don't have to own up to that. That could just be me. But it's been some times. And it's why we have to push ourselves to go. Why? Because this is not, in my mind, every time I clock in, I'm losing a piece of myself. Because in my mind, this is what I'm bonded to. This is what I see my future as. This is my forever job. I'm not going to be like so-and-so because so-and-so is already ahead of me. So-and-so already had a baby. So-and-so has a huge house married. So-and-so is doing this, this, and this, and you feel so far behind in the race. And then if we think about my previous point, whatever you're consuming and allowed to be poured into you during this race only slows you down even more. Huh? If you're depressed and then all you listen to are depressing, sad songs, Hmm? You ever wonder why when you're in a bad mood or like Andrew and I get in an argument, then I put on like uh, Vivian Green or like emotional roller coaster or something. Like I put on like the saddest love song ever because it feeds that spirit. Hmm? I remember going out with my friends and I used to listen to Bone Crusher. I know some of y'all don't know who that is. So you outside of the club and you think I'm a punk. Wake up, wake up. No? I ain't never scared. What? I ain't never scared. Hey. Serena can go with me, y'all. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. Because that feeds your spirit. And then all of a sudden, the tiniest person in the room is ready to hit and knock out the biggest person in the room. Why? Because it's what you pour into your spirit, people. Get what I'm saying. So the tortoise is going full steam but slow. 
Satan thinks that he's got you beat because you're going slower than you feel and that you've allowed him to make you think you should be going. But if you stay the course, if you believe that God will get you to your finish line, then it does not matter because the race is not given to the? Come on. So the race is not given to the? So you run your race. You hold your head up. You believe in the God that's providing that living water for your race. You believe in the things that the Lord has spoken to you. Because if he told you you're going to get it, it doesn't matter how fast you get there, people. It is yours. Come on, somebody. You need to know it is there. It is there. And just like the rabbit was defeated because he underestimated, come on. Satan, you are defeated because you underestimated my God. You underestimated me. You underestimated what the calling was on my life. So he can sleep on me. He can taunt me, but he can't touch me, and he can't keep me from what God has for me. Come on, somebody. Come on. In my next slide, don't let anything keep you from going to where you need to be. There are people in the Bible who have messed up royally. David, what I tell you? Killed somebody, slept with somebody, messed, but God still called him. Moses murdered somebody, but God still called him. Elijah killed a whole bunch, put a big show out there. Whole bunch of prophets burned up, killed up, Done. But then he folded when, they, when he found out that the queen was coming after him. Totally forgot who God was. Wanted to die. But God still chose him and used him. Saul, come on now. This is a man that purposely would go out and kill and convict Christians. But God still used him. God will use you despite, there is no past. Someone needs to know, there is no past. There is no past that will keep you from the calling of God. Man may discount you, but what God has called you to do, it is for you to do, and he will use you. But you have to choose yes. I'm going to have Pastor Drew come up here. Come on up. Give him a hand, y'all. He acting shy. <laughs> You're going to choose yes. The musicians can begin to come up. Come on, Lord. Can you grab those for me, honey? Now. Choosing yes. Is there anybody in here, by show of hands, who's going to start saying yes and choosing yes for God? Awesome, awesome, awesome. There are some steps in this. Virginia, what are you talking about? What? There are some steps in this. So, Pastor Drew, if you can come up here, please. I have here a pitcher of water. It's just water. And I have an empty cup. And... Pastor Drew, you look thirsty. You look parched, brother. Can I offer you something to drink? All right. I'm going to offer Pastor Drew some water. He just got to reach out his hand and grab the cup. Go ahead, sir. No. You, you asked me for some water, yes? Okay, get the cup. If you can't see, his fist is closed. And I think we do this with God a lot. We are asking God to do something. And when he's ready to give it to us, we're so gripping on our past. We're so gripping and holding on to the things that have hurt us or the things that we know that we cannot open our hand to receive what we're asking our very Father for. Do you understand that in order to receive, you have to be able to open your hands, and the only way you can open it is to let go, literally, of whatever you are holding on to. All right, we're going to try this again. 
Pastor Drew, ask me for some water. Yes. I'm going to pour some water for you. Did y'all see? He's keeping the water from going in. He let go, and then the second the cup was put in his hand, what God was going to pour in, he himself blocked it. How did he block it? Because he remembered his past because he felt he wasn't good enough, because he felt like there was no way that he deserved it, things are going to change. And kind of the opposite of the woman in the well, he looked back, he looked behind him, and that creates hesitancy. That creates a a, a feeling of, do I really want to leave this safe place? And you think it's crazy to want to be in a bad relationship? You think it's crazy? But sometimes if all you know is failure or all you know is depression or heartache, you know what to expect. Tomorrow, in the future, it'll always be the same. But to step out, because you're asking for it, but you're just in a bad place. You're asking for change, but you're just in a bad place. But to step out and to let go is a totally new environment. And for some people, it is, it, it, they won't return the call for the job. Crazy, right? They won't return the call for the job. They won't accept help or a handout. They won't go to counseling. Come on, listen to me. Listen to me. To say yes, you have to be willing to let go You have to be willing to let God renew and restore. As my back is to my past, keep it that way. Don't look behind you because you've adopted a new way of looking and speaking and doing things. And Satan will often, as when you are running this race, he will often come by just like the rabbit and run circles around you and remind you of who you used to be and what you'll never make it to. What you will never, what he thinks you will never make it to. I'm going to do this one more time. You're going to say yes. And what God has for you, as it's filling your cup up, he will give, he will, it will run over. Papa John, don't kill me. It's just water. It will run over. He will give you more than what you even asked for. You can put it down, baby. Thank you. He will give you more than what you even, he will give you more than your cup can even contain. You might just be faithful and say, Lord, I just want a job to provide for my kids. But he will make you a boss. He will take you to the next level. Your humble self just wants to be able to provide, but he's going to make it so you will be over people. Then you can plant seeds in them so they know who he is and he gets all the glory. He will take you from a a place of not having, having a place you're homeless. You will have your own apartment, and then you will have your own house. You just want a spouse. He's going to give you a godly man or woman who's going to look after you and show you a love that you've never known. Will you say yes? As you stand to your feet, we're going to read the last slide. Choose God, diverse city. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You are children of God. You are not a loser. You are not a nobody. You are not worthless. You are children of God. For some of you, it was difficult to come in today. For some of you, you just skipped right on in here, and it has been a great week, and I praise God for that. But the same God who got you from point A to point B will be the same God who gets you from B to C, and so on and so on, until you finish your race. Heavenly Father, I lift up all my brothers and sisters right now. 
I lift up all those who are on Facebook watching, who are at home. I challenge you to stand up right now, right where you are, even if you're in your living room, and repeat after me. Today, look, I say it again. Today, I choose to serve the Lord. Today, I choose to say yes. Today, I am no longer a slave to my past. Today, I declare I am important and I matter because he matters. Let that marinate. Let that marinate. Father, we love you and we worship you. There is no one like you, dear God. And I thank you for this word. I thank you for stirring up in our spirits, Lord. I thank you for showing us grace when we don't deserve it. I thank you for your living water, dear God. I thank you that you come and you made a way even when we don't deserve it, Lord God. I thank you for every person represented here today and every person that will see this on Facebook or YouTube, whatever way they see it. I believe for impact in their homes and in their jobs and in their way of living. I pray that you would begin to change and to warp and break off anything that is not of you, dear God, so that when they choose to say yes, you touch their eyes so that they see differently and you touch their mouth so that they begin to speak with a boldness, that they begin to speak to their situations like Nathan did to David, that they begin to change, Lord God, that they are not afraid to say things that they answer yes with a boldness like Samuel that says, Lord, we are right here and we're waiting for you. We are no longer lost in the foolishness of yesterday, but right now, hallelujah, right now, hallelujah, right now, hallelujah, you are free right now, hallelujah, you are a new creation. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. We believe for these things. And the church said, amen, amen.